Welcome to the Hands in Motion podcast, brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. Here we will discuss all things upper extremity therapy, from assessment to treatment, the latest research, the patient experience, and other topics related to the field of upper extremity rehab. Learn more and subscribe today at ASHT.org. Welcome back to another episode of Hands in Motion. On this episode, we are joined by Nathan Short, an occupational therapist and hand therapist that splits his time between the clinic and the classroom. He has a strong interest in preparing his students to be successful in a hand therapy clinic on their clinical rotations and as they start their journey to become certified hand therapists. We will discuss his research findings and how the occupational therapy program he is a faculty member of have worked to engage their students in hand and upper extremity therapy. Welcome to Hands in Motion, Nate. So Nate, give us a little bit of a background about you yourself and what you do for your living. Sure. Yeah. Thank you guys for having me tonight. I really am honored to be on with you. So I teach primarily at Huntington University in the Occupational Therapy Doctoral Program. That's located in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I still am active in clinical practice. I work here in an outpatient clinic, primarily dedicated hand clinic, optimum performance therapy. So to me, it's a nice blend of clinical practice and teaching. And I think one sort of informs the other. I've been a CHT for about eight years now. I graduated from Belmont University with my OTD in 2009, and I worked with the Indian Health Service for about five years in Gallup, New Mexico, and then I transitioned to Fort Wayne in 2014. So you kind of have a vast background of a lot of different areas. Yeah, I I guess so. Now, Now that I think back about the different areas I practiced and what I get to do clinically and in the classroom now, yeah, I would say so. Okay. So... In prepping for this, I found an article that was very interesting once I actually read through it on just barriers in fieldwork education. So what was your thought process? Like, where were you coming from when you said, hey, this is the article I'm looking to write and get more information on? Where was your thought process? What were you looking to accomplish at the beginning of that? I think it came from kind of a real world challenge that we saw with some of our OT students who wanted to go and they knew they wanted to specialize in hand, but they were having trouble securing clinical rotation sites. And then they were having trouble getting into specialty area practice upon graduation. And so we wanted to look at it from the clinician perspective and say, you know, what could make these students more appealing or more marketable to streamline their path into the hand specialty And so that's what the study was all about. It was pretty simple. We just sent out a survey. We were really kind of impressed by the amount of respondents we had. I think there were like 2,000 people that responded. And people seemed to have really strong feelings, you know, about ways that students could make themselves proactive steps they could take to make themselves better suited to enter the hand specialty. Mm -hmm. So did you develop that questionnaire or was that a questionnaire that was in existence already? I think we went back and we looked at some of the HTCC practice analysis studies and some of the different areas of hand knowledge and skill set. And I think that's kind of how we developed. We had some general questions first, and then basically we had different components of education that clinicians would recommend, like foundational anatomy or interventions, assessments, modalities, so on and so forth. 
so they could kind of prioritize the different areas that they felt students should focus on. Hands down, foundational anatomy was like the number one thing clinicians wanted, which was no surprise. But honestly, like the responses we got, I didn't feel like the expectations on the clinician side were unrealistic. You know, they just wanted students to come in with some foundational knowledge and skills that they could work with. The other big finding was emphasis on interpersonal skills, right? The ability to interact with patients, interact with colleagues and things in the clinic, that was really valued and and recommended too. So what were the biggest barriers that you found? And surprisingly, reading through this, some of them were interesting to me because I didn't really look at that as being a barrier, but I guess it is. Right. A lot of the clinicians said, you know, time and logistics were challenges, which again, that wasn't surprising. I remember, I'm going to actually refer back to this. I remember them reading just that most of the therapists, a lot of them didn't work full time, which I found that surprising. That was one of the things that kind of shocked me that just not being in the clinic full time and being able to supervise on that full time basis. That's right. I do remember that. Yeah. And there was a big contingent that said they didn't have clear expectations of serving as a clinical instructor. So they didn't really know maybe what that entailed or how much of an investment that that was going to take, limited clinical space. And then, you know, there was a pretty strong feeling that students lacked the knowledge to be successful. So I think there's a hesitancy to take a student in a specialty setting, you know, if they don't have a little bit more than generalist level knowledge. I know when I take students, I haven't taken any for a couple of years just because of the location that I'm at. But one of the big things that I requested was kind of an, in a face-to-face interview with the student prior to accepting them, just because I wanted to get in touch with where they were at, where they're coming from, just how much knowledge they did have on, on anatomy. Because Although we have some time to do those things, we don't have a ton of time. You almost have to come in having that strong foundation in anatomy. So I do think that is a key point with all of this. And that's, you know, to me, that's not an unrealistic expectation, right? If you're a student that wants to go into a specialty area practice, you know, even if you feel like you haven't gotten that in your generalist education, you know, you can take steps to sharpen those skills and things before you come in. I know several recommended that if they did a level two or a clinical rotation in hand, it should be their final rotation. So they've already got some clinical experience under their belt, maybe as part of like a capstone or residency, which is, you know, one of the, I think one of the avenues in the doctoral OT programs is they do have a capstone at the end that's sort of beyond clinical practice and they can do advanced practice if they want. We've had several students that have kind of put together capstone projects that really gave them a lot more exposure and experience in the hand specialty. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat as Stephanie. We, I mean, I'm in even a more specialized area. I do pediatric hand therapy. And so I do have the opportunity anytime I have a student that's interested we have a phone chat just to get an understanding of where they're at. And I think even our sports group is doing that. I think more and more specialized areas that it's just becoming a little bit more of the norm to have students reach out, have schools reach out. I think another thing that has helped us is actually getting not just the list of classes or the curriculum, but kind of having a a true understanding of what their 
what their curriculum is and knowing what sort of classes are taking, what's involved in that. And I think that has also helped us to know kind of where our students are at and just their educational background. Yeah, that's a good idea. I didn't even think of that, just knowing the curriculum as far as what material the school is providing. So you did this survey, you got your information, and then how as you in academia changed, or maybe you didn't change, change your program or modified your program to reflect your new findings on how to prepare students that do want to go into that specialty area? Yeah, you know, we have several unique, I think, benefits in our program. We have a dedicated cadaver lab, which is not something all OT programs have. We also have an adjunct anatomist who taught medical school students at IU for about 30 years, and he's an adjunct anatomist for a really rigorous anatomy program. And that's not just for students interested in hand, that's kind of across the board. And one of the things as a CHT in academia that you have to realize is that you are training generalist level clinicians, right? Whether it's PT or OT, you know, we're not training hand therapists, but I try to work in options within my class. Like I have several sort of standardized patients that come in. And if students are interested in orthopedics or hand, they can choose a standardized patient that's more in that lane. When we do custom orthotics, they can choose a more advanced hand case study to work on, right? So I try to provide avenues within the general curriculum to explore that area. The other great, I know you guys work closely with Ethan Farney, and about the time we finished this survey, his cohort, they had a handful of students, and they were just dead set on doing hand therapy as generalist OT students, and they came to me and said they wanted to put together a specialty club. And so they started a hand club, and they would meet monthly, they would do journal review and discussion. And it really just blossomed. We hosted the first year they started their club, we hosted ASHT's hands-on orthotics module training. Suzanne Higgins was the first year. I think she came out the very first time. And then Gary Solomon's come three times after that. So we've kind of integrated these sort of elective experiences in our program through the hand club. And I mean, it was so student-driven. It was great. As faculty, I was just trying to keep up with all their ideas and sort of channel the energy in the right direction. But that's been a wonderful avenue for us. And it's really become a model for other specialty interest groups. We have a pediatrics group that meets now and an older adult group. So we found that that's a nice model for students to kind of explore advanced practice while they're in their didactic, you know, journalist curriculum. Have y'all found any ways? I know that's a great, great idea for schools to have these kind of special interest groups. Have y'all found, I guess, clinicians in the area that want to get involved or you're able to bring them in to sort of kind of help funnel maybe future students to clinical rotations or to jobs or getting the community therapist involved? Yeah. And, you know, students are already under a lot of stress and they have a heavy course load already. So we keep our club really streamlined. They meet once a month and we really try to focus on something, you know, hands-on and engaging related to hand. So yeah, we've had clinicians come in and do kinesio taping or prosthetics demonstrations. Yeah. And it is a carry. I think that's a great point. It's a great networking opportunity. In fact, since you mentioned that, 
the first time Gary Solomon came to do his hands-on orthotics course, one of our students that was in our hand club got to know him at that course and ended up doing a clinical rotation with him in Chicago, which was so cool. I mean, you see these doors open just because of these meetings at continuing education. Yeah. So there were like the secondary benefits of just having this club. It really became sort of a think tank for research in our program because you had a group of like-minded students just discussing hand topics and research and things. And then we would try to implement studies. And so, yeah, it really became a nice addition to our program. And I think it's been a great springboard. I can think of half a dozen students off the top of my head who have, upon graduation, gone directly into hand practice. And I think it, it did give them an edge, you know what I mean, to take that step earlier than they would have in their career, probably. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, have you found it easier for hand placement for students knowing that they kind of have gone a little bit above and beyond just a general OT student, you know, knowing that they are in these special interest groups, that they have done research already and our journal studies. And have you found it's a little bit easier to place the students? I would say so. I don't have any hard numbers on that. But anecdotally, I mean, I can think of several students who, you know, they were able to show that they went to an advanced orthotics course, that they'd been leader in the hand club, or they had a publication. Several of them have had publications in the Journal of Hand or related outlet. And yeah, I think it definitely opens doors. We are seeing more clinics that are asking for like a letter of reference from faculty kind of endorsement. And so we're more than willing if a student's really shown aptitude and things like that to help them out in that way too. But yeah, I would say that that's helped them in clinical settings for sure. I know definitely myself as a CI, I know that would be a good plus on my, you know, oh, hey, look at they did this, this and this. And I may be more willing to take somebody that did do a little bit extra above and beyond because taking students, it is a challenge. It's definitely you know, extra time. And it does help a little bit, especially if they have that good foundation of anatomy, because you don't have to go through and teach them that along the way. Which is, I mean, that's just unrealistic. I mean, most hand clinics are high volume and you don't have time to go back and cover the basics. You got to have a good, strong foundation to build on. What are some other things that you found that your clinicians are now asking for of your students prior to placements? Or have you found that... I know you just mentioned letters of recommendation, but is there anything else that clinicians are are requesting or that y'all are providing? We've had a few reach out about our curriculum in general, you know, how much splinting have they had, how much clinical reasoning and things like that are integrated in your program. So we've had like general questions like that. I was involved in this on the periphery and I'm not sure how far along it is, but I know there was a effort within ASHT, I believe, to have sort of a competency test for students. Is that on your radar? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you know how far along that is? I think I heard several months ago, but I don't recall. I think the education division has done quite a bit, has a student committee. And I believe I should know this, but I believe that they did create a competency exam for students to take. And so they've got some good resources for students. I like that a lot. I mean, the other thing you want to see is a level of commitment on the student's end. I hear a lot of students say, oh, I'm interested in hand. And sometimes it's kind of a transient or passing interest. But the students that would take the time to do the competency, you know, and really put the effort in, I think it shows that they're really going to come in and and really 
commit and engage in the clinic. Sure. Well, I think even students taking courses, I mean, as a clinician, I'm getting credit for a continuing ed class and I'm putting it towards something, whereas these students don't have a license yet. And they're seeking out during, while they're still in school, seeking out even more educational opportunities. And that definitely shows effort, shows a desire, shows a commitment to just their learning, which I think that's huge. Sure. So you wrote your article in 2018, or it was published, I guess, then. Have y'all done any kind of follow-up from that? Have you seen any changes in the past, what, three-ish years since putting this out? You know, we did a follow-up study, sort of related, and we looked at perceptions of hand therapy content in OT programs from this part of the faculty. And, you know obviously CHCs or PT or OT, obviously, but like we wanted to see in the OT world, how is hand therapy content perceived? And so that was kind of a unique perspective too. And it was a bit, I wouldn't say polarized, but I think there's a perception that, you know, CHTs definitely bring a level of anatomical rigor and strong clinical reasoning and sort of strong, hard clinical skills into a program. But the flip side of that is it is a generalist level education. And for OT, we need to keep it function-based, occupation-based, right? And so sometimes there's a criticism that, you know, we're too in that biomechanical lane and we lose some of the occupation-based nature from an OT perspective. So yeah, that was another kind of a sort of, like I say, sort of a related study. I think we did the following year. Yeah. I'm sure that's a hard balance because you you're right. You are whether it's a PT school, an OT school, you are putting out generalists. I mean, a a therapist, I always remember them saying to us in PT school, like you need to be an entry-level therapist when you graduate and your knowledge base. I mean, obviously to pass the exam is a general knowledge. I actually had a CI, my hand therapy CI tell me you'll never know more about a large amount of information, like so many topics than you will the minute you take that test. Because then if you do become a certified hand therapist, that's where you're going. I mean, I certainly don't remember things from my neuro classes or just even the rest of the body for PT classes. (laughs) But you're right. I mean, you are putting out generalist therapists. And so as a faculty, y'all's, I mean, I'm sure for accreditation too, you can't get so specialized, but where is that happy medium of letting these students be successful on their clinical rotations and having, having that entry level? And I guess us as therapists need to be mindful of that too, is what is necessary for an entry-level therapist. When they graduate, they're not a CHT. And we need to remember that, that they're an entry-level therapist. Right. I mean, I think CHTs in academia realize that and you gauge your content, your delivery accordingly. But I think there was a perception in that study, too. I think a lot of faculty see the value in having a CHT on faculty. You know, in OT accreditation standards, there are specific standards for custom orthotics and modalities. And I'm sure that's similar in PT, right? And so as a CHT, you know, that's bread and butter for us. We know that stuff really, really well. And I think some of the clinical reasoning we would use in hand practice can bleed over right? And be generalized to other areas of practice, right? That type of thinking, that differential diagnosis and that, that kind of thing. 
So in general, we found a pretty positive slant on having CHT as part of a faculty team. And I think we need to see more in academia. No, I really do. I think there's a lot to offer. I'm biased probably, but (laughs) (laughs) we probably all three are. Yeah, right. (laughs) So how many students that you've had that had an interest in hand therapy have gone on to be CHTs? You may not know numbers, but and do they come back and kind of discuss even you know, their challenges in the clinic with them taking students as well? And have they kind of changed their perspective going through your program? Yeah, funny you should mention that. Ethan has definitely, I think he did a Zoom session with our hand club last year. He's been with the Indian Health Service in Arizona, I believe. And so he got to talk about his experience and moving into the hand specialty. We are a relatively young program. We just started in 2014. So our first graduates were in 2017. So they're just now becoming eligible to even sit for the exam with the new three-year requirement. Well, that's not too new. I guess that's been in place for a while now. But so I haven't heard, I'm sure some of them have started to, you know, at least schedule or or sit for that test, but I haven't heard any results just yet. But yeah, I, I could think of probably... 20 students or so in our first seven or eight cohorts that are strongly moving in that direction if they haven't sat for the CHT board yet. Mm -hmm. I really see value in the way that you have set up the program, especially I love the concept of the special interest groups, even the journal reviews. You know, thinking back when I was in school, knowing that I wanted to do hands, I didn't have those opportunities. Now, I was a non-traditional student, so I was working in hands as I was going back to school. So, I was a CODA working as a therapist. But, you know, for anybody else who wanted to do that, it wasn't, I don't want to say it was easy, but I I could go back and apply it in the clinic as I was learning it, if that makes sense, because I was already working, even though I didn't apply it as a therapist, I could still grasp the concepts and understand them a little bit better. But I think having the opportunity for you know journal reviews and journal clubs and special interest groups going above and beyond, like the advanced orthotics course, or even just taking even the kinesio taping or any of that other specialty things that I wasn't exposed to as a student. I think that's a wonderful adjunct to the program. And, you know, like the students that have a bit of hand interest, like once they do something like the hands-on orthotics course, man, they're like sold, you know, I love this. I know I want to do hand now. So yeah, just kind of wetting their appetite with different little snapshots of hand practice along the way, I think has been beneficial. And it's really neat when they connect with the new grad that's in practice and kind of see, you know, I can do this too. This person's out and they were a student just a few years ago and here they are. And I think that gives them a confidence boost to think to their own future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that the orthotics fabrication, of course, Kara and I are slightly biased to the orthotics fabrication program that ASHG has. However, <laughs> I think, you know, looking back, you fabricated two orthoses. 
usually a resting hand splint and a cock up splint. And there's so much more that can be done with that, especially if somebody has an interest in it. You know, for those that really have no desire to splint or to fabricate orthoses, I think <laughs> that might not be good for them. But for somebody who is, I think it's a wonderful opportunity. Yeah. And what I love about that course, I think they did like seven or eight different orthotics in like a, you know, seven hour course and they don't focus on perfection. You know what I'm saying? They're like, you know, let's get the basics down. Let's understand the clinical reasoning here. And then we're going to move on because some students really struggle at, you know, they want their splint to have this beautiful aesthetic look to or, or whatever. And, and I think it builds confidence when you just, the more you do it, the more comfortable you become. And so, yeah, it's been a real blessing to our program. So I have a question about just your students kind of going back. Do you encourage your students to seek out their own clinical rotations in hand therapy clinics or does your school have connections and y'all set them up or is there kind of a mixed bag? We have a rock star clinical coordinator team. We have two and man, they are just knocking the doors down on clinical sites. So they have a lot that our students can choose from. If we have a student that, say, wants a particular part of the country, you know, a really specific clinic, they'll partner with that student to reach out to the clinic. So we kind of work it both ways. I think at this point, we have enough contracts, right, that there's like plenty to choose from. But if they want something really unique or, you know, an area somewhere that we don't have a contract, they kind of work with their clinical coordinator to see what's possible. I think that's another thing when I see students reaching out as opposed to the school, that that too shows me as a clinician that these students, and I think sometimes the schools give the student the contact information and they're the ones reaching out, even if they already have like a contract with them. And so I think that's another great way that a student shows shows their interest in their education and wanting to find a hand rotation. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. Well, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Hands in Motion brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. You can listen on ASHT's website and or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple, Google, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Once subscribed, please rate and review the podcast to help us reach new listeners and continue to offer valuable, relevant content. You've been listening to Hands in Motion brought to you by the American Society of Hand Therapists. To learn more about ASHT and to subscribe to the show, please visit ASHT.org. We'll see you next time on the Hands in Motion podcast. Hands in Motion.